Westbrook on the drive, falling away. Won't go. Rebound taken by Iguodala. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. Going on, guys. It is Caleb back here again. I hope you guys are all doing absolutely fantastic. I'm a huge Golden State Warriors fan. Started this pod about a little over a year ago. Um, and really, since I started the pod, the Warriors have been pretty irrelevant. Steph went down last year. Clay went down last year. Um, last year was, you know, kind of like an off year after five straight. Pretty rigorous year. So, um, in general, too, I'm just a hoops guy. I'm, a, I'm an NBA guy. I really, really just love the game of basketball. So, um, I didn't really have any huge need to talk about the Warriors and obviously I'd sprinkle it in here and there but I do know that um, a lot of the people that listen to this because again a, a lot of the people that listen to this are my family and friends um, are Warriors fans that live here in the Bay Area so this was just a massive massive week for the Golden State Warriors franchise some highs some lows um, and so I just wanted to take a little bit of time solo and, and just talk about what happened this week talk honestly it's it's for myself a little bit I want to talk myself through this with what's happened, what's going on, because the month's just, just, or the month, the, the season is just a month away, and uh, I gotta, I gotta be able to process all this, so here's my best shot at doing this, let's start with the obvious um, and, and devastating news of Clay Thompson tearing his Achilles, when Woj and Shams tweeted that he had a, you know, suffered an injury playing pickup, um, and that the Warriors remained optimistic, but the t- testing would be done, um, I, I, my, my heart instantly sunk. I, I'm generally an optimist. You know, I like to see the positive things. That's just how I operate. But in that moment, I kind of just had this sinking feeling and knew like, I mean, if Woj and Shams are tweeting about it, it's probably not a good sign. Like if he, if he sprained his ankle at pickup, I, I really don't think that Woj or Shams would tweet about it. Even if it was like a decently solid sprain. I don't think the news would have been broken right there, right then and right there. Like, I, I feel like that generally that meant it was something pretty serious. And then obviously it was confirmed um, yesterday, I believe. We're, we're sitting here on Friday, I believe, it, yesterday that it, it was a, a torn Achilles. And I, I just feel for Clay, right? Like, outside of even, I'm a Warriors fan, and and I was so looking forward to, to seeing Steph and Clay run it back. But, like, outside of that, I, I just feel the most for Clay because it's so apparent with him he has such just a, a pure love for the game he it's a game to him and he loves it so much he, he, just watching him you can tell he truly just loves the game of basketball he's not in it for anything else he's not in it for the money he's not in it for the fame he loves the game of basketball and it, it just shows he he shines when he plays um because of how I, I Bob Myers talked about it like I you go down the line in the league, like even even nice guys, even really nice guys who are fun to watch. Like everyone has their haters, but I really legitimately don't know if Clay. I I don't know if I've met someone who's like, you know, I I hate Clay Thompson. I don't like Clay Thompson. Like, and if you run across one of those people, like you probably just don't want to be friends with that person. That person is probably just an angry person. Um, end of the day, what I'm trying to say is. Like this, this guy is a the one of the most genuine dudes 
who truly just loves basketball. And it, at, at the biggest stage, he went down towards ACL when he was moments away from accomplishing a goal. Or not moments. I guess they'd have to win that game and the game after. Regardless, he goes down, tears his ACL in the NBA Finals, works his ass off. It's, I mean, people, I've never torn an ACL, right? But I've known uh, numerous people close to me. Shout out Kevin. Shout out Katie. Um, who have torn their ACL and, and then actually have done it twice. And it's just brutal. It's brutal for a normal person who doesn't have to get their body back to the level of being a professional athlete. You then take a professional athlete now who has to get their knee back to the level of, of being able to play with the greatest athletes and basketball players in the world. Like that is an absolute grind every single day. It's like, it's like you're moving a centimeter a day and you have to finish a marathon. And he was so close to finishing that marathon. He was a month out. He was there. He was, he'd healed. He looked, he, for all intents and purposes, it sounded like he looked great. He was right at the finish line of doing, like basketball is his life. And then he suffers the most devastating injury you can have. Like that just I'm I'm praying for him, bro. Like that's that has to absolutely suck the soul out of you. I don't care how much money he's making. Like basketball is his passion. It's what he's done his whole life. He worked so hard day by day to get back to the point where he can play. And and now he's got a literally right before getting back has to do it all over again and and I from what I've heard the Achilles is an even tougher injury to rehab. So, I mean, you saw Kevin Durant just miss I mean, I I think it sounds like he'll be ready to go, but I mean, he's he's missed almost a year. I I don't know, man. It's it's really tough and and it's uh, it's honestly tough for me to even like be like, "Oh, the Warriors chant." Like that's just secondary in this moment right now because of because of that guy. Um, such a genuine dude who, who really, truly has the right priorities and, and loved hoop for, for the game, love of the game, which there are a lot of people that love the game in the NBA. I feel like the majority of people do, but his pure love for the game, I feel like was unmatched by, by very few, very, very few people. With all that being said, though, there, there still is a season in a month, right? And, and how the Warriors respond to this this huge adversity, having your second best player being out uh, for the rest of the year, a, a year or a month before the season starts, like how you respond to that is going to be franchise defining. And so there's multiple different ways that the Warriors, multiple different paths that the Warriors could take after hearing this news. And I think it's important right now to explain the luxury tax and salary cap. It's a concept that I still have trouble grasping. Um, because I'm not really a numbers guy. I, w- I was taking, I think I took algebra in junior year. Or I think I took pre-calc in senior year, which is just way behind the curve. Anyways, I'm not a numbers guy, but I'm going to do my best to explain this. Es- essentially, there's a salary cap and then there's a luxury tax. And the luxury tax is also known as the parity tax. What it, What it's supposed to do is prevent larger market teams like the New York Knicks, the LA Lakers, the LA Clippers, the Bulls, Philly, Warriors in in this case. Um it's supposed to prevent them from spending too much the way teams 
like OKC and Milwaukee Bucks, the way those teams can't. So every year there's a salary cap, and there's tiers, right, for going over the salary cap. So with the luxury tax, if you go any dollar that you're over between a dollar and five million, you're going to have to pay a dollar and 50 cents extra for each dollar, right? And then as you move up, there continues to be, it continues to grow exponentially. So between 5 million and 9.9 million, so caps 109, let's say your payroll, what you're paying all your players together, if that's over 109 million, if you're paying altogether 115 million, you're going to be in that second tier and you're going to now be paying $1.75 for every dollar that you've spent over the 109 million cap. And it keeps going up. For uh, to the point where if you're twenty to twenty five million over, you're gonna be paying three dollars and seventy five cents for every dollar that you go over. Now, why is that important? Well, in this case, the Warriors are are already paying sixty six million in luxury taxes. So I don't know the again. I don't don't get me going on the math, but I can do simple math, and I know that there's sixty six million over in luxury taxes. So they're paying sixty six million. Just off the top, on top of, off the top, that's not the right term, on top of what they're already paying the players, right? Now, this addition of Kelly Oubre would make the luxury taxes $134 million. So now with the, with the addition of Oubre's salary and the addition of what he brings in luxury taxes, Kelly Oubre, the Warriors are paying $82 million, $82.4 million now, more than they would be. If Kelly Oubre wasn't there. So it, I, th- I think it just goes to show you at least in, in this scenario. At least the Warriors front office is not packing it in. And they're saying, hey, let's go make a real run at this. Kelly Oubre, and we'll get to the basketball side in a sec. But I do want to appreciate that Joe Lacob is not saying. Because he honestly has every read. Like the Rockets GM, a lot of GMs. Again, you have to remember, this is a business, right? And these guys are losing a huge chunk of their income, of their revenue, because n- no fans are allowed. And if there are allowed, some allowed, it's, it's some, and it's nowhere near. So the, the money from the tickets, the concessions, every they're losing a huge chunk of that. So for Joe Lickup to stare that down the barrel, being like, all right, we're already losing 70 to 80% of our revenue, and still be willing to add someone like Kelly Oubre, who, I mean, I like Kelly Oubre. I would rather have Kelly Oubre than not have him in this situation. But I, I Kelly Oubre is not, his, not this game-changing piece, right? But still, for the front office to, to say, all right, we're willing to, to put our money where our mouth is, we're going to essentially make Kelly Oubre an $82 million player. Like, he, he's making only 14 mil, but what he costs for the Warriors to have him is $82 million. He's putting his balls down and saying, all right, let's run it. I trust in the squad. Um, and, he, and he was actually on Tim Kawakami, who's a local beat writer for the Warriors. And, and he said he gathered everyone in the front office after the Clay News and said, we're not tanking. If anyone's even thinking that, get it out of your mind. Forget it. Give me options. What can we do to make this team as good as we can make it? And, bro, I just – I love that shit. I love it. The rational somewhat GM, fake GM in me is like, eh. But the competitor, the winner in me is like, let's get it. Um, so I'm, I'm, 
I'm not happy at all, right, with what just happened. It's it's devastating news. It's like, take anyone else besides Clay. No one deserves this less than Clay Thompson. But it happened. Clay's gonna handle it. The Warriors are gonna give him everything he needs, both emotionally and and just physically, to make sure he gets back. Um, but of course, not gonna rush it. And let's 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 move our focus now. Let's keep praying for for Clay. But let's move our focus now towards this year, and that's what we're that's what we're gonna take a quick look at before I head out. Um, and that is okay. How good is this team? And I really, if anyone is going to tell you they know for for a fact how this team is going to show up this coming year, they don't. They don't. Because we're playing with a, even with, with, I think it would have been tough to say what we were going to be, even with Clay coming back. Because you you have Clay coming off a serious injury. Dre took a gap year last year. We've lost Iggy from that title team. But, you know, like uh, so much has changed, right? But now Clay's not even here. So, I think the what what it really comes down to is the 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 two wing pieces, Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. And for those of you that don't know, in in all likelihood, the starting lineup on opening night is going to be Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. That's exciting. Um, I I think a lot of people are pretty high on Kelly Oubre, right? He's a bucket. He's swaggy. He's one of the better mid range pull up shooters in the game. He's just got a sexy, fun game. I'm a little lower on him than I think the consensus is just because I feel like he hasn't yes, he's he's very talented, he's athletic, right? He he he's very fun to watch. I don't think he's found a way to consistently put all that together in a way that helps you win basketball games more often than not. I think there's a reason why Washington let him go so easily and I think there's a reason why despite him producing numbers in Phoenix the the Suns ju- like he was not a throw in but they they jumped at the chance to to get a Chris Paul with while while dealing him and obviously they dealt other pieces but like there there's a re- if, if they really viewed Kelly Oubre as this um you know important piece of their future they wouldn't have done that cuz Chris Paul is 36 and making 30 million right um and and there's I'm not going to say that the the Suns wouldn't have gone 8 and 0 if Kelly Oubre was there but, I mean, you see it. They were very effective without Kelly. So I'm not trying to be a downer at all. I think, I think the situation for, for him is a lot better than he – a lot better than any other situation he's been in, right? If he's going to take a, a leap, this is the perfect spot to do it. The opportunity, the coaching, the culture is all there for him. And, and the talent and physical tools are there too. But I'm just saying to this point, Kelly has uh, a lot of times been this guy who puts up stats and does cool things, but makes some boneheaded plays, hasn't really played great defense. I think that's another misconception. Like you see his athleticism, you see he's long, and you're like, oh, that's a good defender. He's not. To this point, he has not been a good defender, and I think that's really hampered his value. And he's shot 35% from three, which is you'd like him to shoot a little bit higher. But again, I think he's going to get easier shots. I think I think both Kelly and Andrew Wiggins are going to have much more straightforward. It's not as much anymore now that Clay's gone, but still, 
I think both are going to have much more straightforward roles than they had in their respective place before. And I think the game is going to be a lot easier, right? We're, we're getting to the good stuff now. And you all, you guys know, I am a Steph Curry disciple. I will go to my grave defending that man because I really do believe with my whole heart he has found a way to impact the game the way at the the highest of highest levels despite not being super athletic despite not being six eight despite not being the, like having the physical gifts of someone like braun Kawhi, and kd i think he's found a way to be just as impactful if not more because of his leadership skills because of the way he moves off the ball and the way he strikes fear in the to defense so i i'm not going to now jump off of that because if we're, we're sitting here four or five years later and kd and claire gone I really think we saw him in one game last year. We we played the defending champ Toronto Raptors at home, and it was legitimately, it was Steph Curry. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was Steph Curry and a bunch of G-leaguers, right? He was playing, I, I should have pulled up the box score from that game, but he was playing with Michael Mulder, Marquise Chris, Kai Bowman, Damian Lee. Like, Andrew Wiggins was the second best player, and he was creating... I think Andrew Wiggins took seven or eight wide open threes that game. Like, guys got really, really good looks. And and that is just the gravity of Steph. He creates much better. He he creates high quality looks for his teammates. And And so now you get Wiseman. With space. You get Wiggins with space. You get Ubre with space. I, I hope Kerr has this team running. I, I hope Kerr puts the ball in Steph Curry's hand. And then you've got a great playmaker in Draymond Green as well. So I am both I, I'm optimistic about this year just because I I I think it would be a little bit of a stretch to say we're a top three team in terms of contending for a title. But I really think we can be a very, very competitive team in the West. I think a four to five, and if things really break right, I I, th- I don't think a top seed in the West, a one, two, three, is really out of the question if things go really, really well and Wiseman is a little bit better than we think he is right at this moment. I don't think it's crazy to think we can be one of the top teams in the West. I think it's going to be a little, it's going to be tough. As much as it pains me to say, it's going to be tough to win a title. Um, You know, and there are going to be nights, I think, that we are just, we come away really frustrated with either Wiggins or Ubre. But I am optimistic that this coaching staff and that this culture of winning at all costs first, no, no, no one gives a shit about individual accolades over winning. Yeah, you can give a shit about individual accolades as long as you're getting the W. Um, but I think that sort of environment is really going to help Wiggy. It's really going to help Ubre, especially Wiggy. Wiggy, his whole life has been been in Minnesota and has just been asked to do things that he can't do. He hasn't had a role that really suits what he does best. And I, I trust that the coaching staff is going to be able to put everyone in the right situations and in into roles that you can get the most out of Kelly Ubre. You can get the most out of Andrew Wiggins. You don't need him to get you 25, 30 a night. Just ask him to play solid defense because we've had a great defense because we've had Clay and Dre and others, you know, in and out for the last couple years. Like every, every championship run, we've had a really good defense. If Wiseman has all the tools to be a good defender, so does Wiggy. Uber has the tools. Like if we can, 
if we can get the guys in the right mindset, the right coaching, I think this could still be a good year. It hurts. It really is. It's awful. A month out for Clay to go down like this, but I still have hope for this season. Um, again, I don't think you can expect us to add many more pieces before the season starts. Like the Warriors are 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 legitimately paying a hundred and thirty four million dollars of dead money. That's in luxury taxes. Like that. Wrap your mind around that. They're paying a hundred and thirty four million dollars in luxury. That is more than they ever have. And that is, and then back then they had sold out crowds that they could count on every night. Now, I don't know. Like, Lacob is going to do his best to, to put a safe plan together where he can have at least, you know, 25, 30, 40%, 50% capacity. It's going to be tough to get that done. If anyone can accomplish that, that's Joe Lacob. But at least we can be encouraged that the management, that ownership has not backed away from competing, even though they could have. There's a lot of penny pinchers. Um, but Joe Lacob is not one of them. And, and I don't think he should be after all the money that this franchise made him since he's bought it. Anyways, I appreciate you all. I hope you guys are all doing well. Be great today. Have a great weekend. I actually don't know when I'm going to post this. If it's a week, have a great week. If it's a weekend, have a great weekend. Appreciate you all. Big stuff coming this basketball season. Love you. Peace. And I, I actually just almost forgot. I definitely should. I touched on Wiseman a little bit, but uh, got to spend at least a couple minutes talking about him. I, that's the guy I wanted at too. If we couldn't make a trade that really landed us a stud, I wanted to go Wiseman at two. Not going to lie, man. Like we, we watched him play three games in college. Again, if people are telling you they know for a fact this guy's going to be stud or know for a fact this guy's going to be bust, they don't know. We we never can know for sure. But what we do know for sure is that this man is 7'1", with a 7'5 wingspan, and he runs like he's a tight end in the NFL. Might even give you like a big receiver, right? This guy is mobile and a freak. He he looks like, like he has the body of a a 28 year old in his prime and he's nine he's 19 right he's not going to give us a ton on the offensive end early he you know he's not the type of guy at this point in time where you're just going to say all right let me dump the ball in go to work james that's not what he's going to be doing but what he is going to be doing is setting massive massive tree-like screens for guys like steph and kelly and wiggins He's going to protect the rim. I, I believe already, even at this young age, I believe with those physical tools and, and leaping ability, I believe he's going to be able to protect the rim at a very good level. And then he, if I'm hoping Kerr has this team running more than any team we've had, but he is going to absolutely be a force in, in, in transition. I, I, we're going to see a lot of beautiful lobs. We're going to see some putbacks. The guy runs like a gazelle, and he's 7-1 with a 7-foot wingspan. So... That's what you can expect from him. Don't expect um, anything crazy early on. I think the focus for him on a daily on a daily game by game basis is just going to be run the floor in transition and protect the rim. And I think from there, once he gets comfortable with that, then you can start to see you know expansion of hey oh do you do you have a little feel now from the high post? Can we use you as a passer the way we did Bogut? I think that's a little ways away. Right, let's let right now let's just focus on setting screens in the half court offense, running in transition and protecting the rim. But I will say that is definitely who I wanted. 
I think he fits. You always should go best available in my mind. Take the best player available. Unless the difference you feel like between the two is is so negligible that, you, you know, fine. Then you can go best fit. But either way, we we got both. I think we got the guy who was the best available, and I think he was also the best fit. We, I mean, we this whole run, we haven't had like a a, a big, like a, a true big that we felt like was a franchise type of guy. We're even close to that. We have that now. I love the potential we have. Um, I love the potential that, that James brings. Now it's just going to be about, you know, expanding on that and, and getting the most out of it. Um, but I love the pick, and, and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Was excited to see Nico Mannion. I know uh, that's a guy. I have a couple. I have Jimmy. Jimmy loves his high school basketball. And so I don't know if it was him or maybe I just saw YouTube, but I, I've been watching that guy since high school. He's a grinder. Fell a little bit. He was a guy that was actually, um, if you looked at draft boards, like before the college season started last year, he was like a projected lottery, very worst you know, top 20 guy fell a little bit this year because he just didn't shoot the ball very well. Wasn't, uh, I, he just wasn't as good, I guess, as people thought, but, uh, he's so young. He's 18. He's tiny. Fun fact. His dad actually got drafted by the Warriors at about the same pick, uh, however many years ago. So, um, we're getting a hard worker. He was also a guy at Steph, both, both James Wiseman and Nico were at Steph's camp that he puts on to, um, in different respective years. But, um, I, I really did like the the draft pick of him, and then again, the last one is Justin Justinian. Ju- I don't actually sh- I should know his name. That's bad on me. But uh, pick fifty eight is supposed to be the next Duncan Robinson. We'll see about that. Again, in general, I don't really think any of us can say that we have even uh, any sort of idea how good or, or how how far along these guys will pan out and who they'll pan out to be, but. I like, for what it's worth, I like the picks. And you know what else I like? I like you guys. And I appreciate you all for being here. This is the real, actual ending of this podcast. Hope you guys all have a great weekend. Appreciate all of you that show love. Um, and I will be back early next week with Tyler uh, going through. If there's any more trades, we'll go through that. And then we'll recap free agency, which is starting, depending on when you're here, it starts Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific. So right about to get into it i'm sure there's going to be some juicy signings so tyler and i will talk through that in just a couple days but i appreciate you all much love peace